Welcome to the secret land of the Jockeys. <laughs> Why are you talking like that? These are our real voices. We only talk like this on your surface world. But you're respected athletes. You own car dealerships and marry beauty queens. All a lie. What woman would marry us? We're freaks. 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 We are the jockeys. Jockeys are we. We live underground in a fiberglass tree. Ah. <laughs> we nerd and hell. We reign supreme. On toadstool thrones by a chocolate stream. But all is not well in Jockey Town. Your renegade horse is making us proud. What do you want me to do? Your horse must lose. My horse must lose? No win. No show. No place. Just lose the stinking race. And what if I refuse to lose? We'll eat your brain. My horse must lose. Did that really happen? Or was it just a wonderful dream? No dream. Lose the race, fat boy. <laughs> Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode BABF09. It's Saddlesaw Galactica. I'm Dado. And I am Guy. I was so glad they had that sound in the episode. It wouldn't be a horse racing episode without it. Absolutely. But here's something that I did discover from this episode, and I'm probably sort of cutting to the chase here, but I mean, I watched it with the uh, the subtitles on, on Disney+. And I had no idea that it was actually called something. I thought it was just, you know racing sound or whatever but it's called call to post oh i didn't um i didn't notice it. i had it with the subtitles on as well yeah i guess i wasn't looking because it was just music but um yeah, yeah okay, but have you ever had interesting. have you ever had that, that there's been a piece of music that's just been a part of your life for goodness knows how long and you never really sort of knew the name of it you just you just knew it i mean you could you could you know sort of hum it or sing it or whatever at the top of your head but you never knew the name of it well, it's not actually, it's not the name of a song, but sometimes I've, you know, songs from my childhood that I've sung for the last, you know, 30 years, 25 years, that I've never really known the lyrics to. I've just sort of created my own lyrics for them. And now I sort of <laughs> go in and go, I should probably Google what the actual lyrics are here because I've been singing them wrong for the last 25 years. Songs like, for example, I know this is not in your wheelhouse, but songs, for example, like, Mbop. I'm like, what are these kids actually saying in this song? <laughs> First of all, shame on you for saying that Hanson is not in my wheelhouse. I mean, oh, okay, <laughs> uh, Tay Hands for life. Um, did I actually, did I actually interview him? Fucking what a he is an absolute gentleman. Is he the middle one? He's like because. Well, I, I think get, it, well, I, I interviewed the middle one. I thought it was Taylor. I interviewed the, the middle one, and he was just lovely. He was just yeah, lovely. Yeah. He was, he, and what I what I liked about him was that I know this is way off topic of the Simpsons, but what I liked about Hanson was that he knew the band was sort of seen as somewhat of a joke. But he didn't mind. He was just like, yeah, we, we get it. But the other thing is, I mean, that well, he, that shows a good degree of sort of, I don't know, humility on his part. But the other thing is, how fucking hard is it to write an, a good piece of bubblegum pop like umbop? I mean, oh. if, it, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. 
100%. And it's one of those things where people just hung shit on them because they were so successful. And it's like, deep down, you really wish you wrote that song. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know that movie about a boy? Yep. The with, one with Hugh Grant. Uh, yeah. Hugh Grant, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you know, how he's basically sort of living off the royalties, royalties off his dad's Christmas song that he wrote. Mm. There were friends of mine who say, that'd be the dream, man. You know, if you just, you wrote one, like, Christmas song and every year everybody was singing it and then for the other 11 and a half months of the year, you just live off the royalties. I'm like, that's the dream. <laughs> that's just great. <laughs> Do you think Mariah Carey just does that now with All I Want for Christmas? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, the reason I asked about, um, you know, if you never knew sort of knew the name of something, growing up in the 70s, um, I mean, as an absolute child in the 70s, there was a piece of music you'd hear in movies or on TV whenever someone cool entered the room. And it was kind of... I won't, I'm loath to say it was pimp music, but it was because, but it went. I know exactly the music you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think I went decades not knowing what it was. I thought it was just a generic piece of like, quote unquote, cool music. Um, and then it was in some shit Will Ferrell movie that I saw like maybe five years ago. I'm like, oh, that song. <gasps> I'm going to hang around <laughs> to the end credits which you should do anyway, pay respect to the people who actually put it all together, um, and see, you know, uh, you know the list of, tit- of, of songs in the credits and um, see if I can discern what it was. And I found out that it was a song called Picking Up the Pieces by a band called Average White Band. Because <laughs> I, wow. I, I thought it was like by... Sorry if this sounds even vaguely racist. I thought it was a bunch of cool black dudes who put it together. <laughs> and it turns out to be the average white band who are, in fact, a very average white band... <laughs> You thought it was Heatwave. I did. I thought it was Heatwave. Have we ever <laughs> talked about Heatwave on, on Four Finger Disco? We have not, but if you out there listeners have never heard of the band Heatwave, they inspired many famous musicians, including Michael Jackson. So check out Heatwave. They are great. Indeed. <laughs> many a, many a, a good afternoon was spent in the pop culture office listening to Heatwave. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, Saddle Sword Galactica. I have read numerous comments in the, um, in the Facebook group that people thought this was the beginning of the end. They really, really hated it. They just don't like anything about it. I'm not going to lie. It was a bit wacky, particularly at the end, but I thought it was really fun. And the differences between an ending that sort of is wacky and an ending that's wacky that makes me laugh. So, like, when you go to the ending where, you know, Marge, uh, not Marge, uh, Maggie saved Homer in the water, it wasn't funny. It was just stupid, right? This one was wacky, but at least there was plenty of moments that made me like genuinely laugh out loud. And that's all I want from The Simpsons right now. Just entertain me. And this episode did. Okay, I've got to say, I mean, look, I was not unentertained by uh, Saddle Saw Galactica, but yeah, there was a lot of stuff in here where it was like, this just feels a bit lazy, guys, or it feels um, a little self-impressed or even a bit not, not spiteful. That's not the right word, but it's kind of like, ugh. So you guys don't like The Simpsons, huh? Well, you know, here's a bit of a snarky gag to show you. I mean, all basically all the stuff with the comic book guy in this. I mean, yeah. you could it's you could say, oh, yeah, they're taking a bit of a dig at themselves for sort of recycling old stuff or whatever. But it also kind of felt like, hey, you think it's easy writing The Simpsons? Well, no, you do it. I mean, look, as I said, there's not there's a lot in this to enjoy. There's a lot that made me sort of go, Rah. I mean. That's a bit creepy or a bit weird or whatever. Uh, but there was also, yeah, a fair bit of stuff that made me laugh. It did feel very, it felt very 2000 
to me in a lot of ways. Well, that's because um, it, it's, I, I've, I've got here, whenever you include the current president, it's immediately going to be dated within eight years. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know. I think when you put in... Uh, yeah, yeah, stuff like the president, stuff like, uh, you know, current you know, pop songs or whatever. I mean, sure, they're relevant at the time, but they're also a bit of a time capsule. I mean, you can look at it and go, oh, well, yeah, that's what we were listening to back 20 years ago, but it also feels like... Oh yeah, that's what we were listening to twenty years ago. I, I you didn't like the the ha- having cake in the episode. Um, I'm not. A I huge thought it was, fan I thought it was a really good song for the for the montage what they're going for. But anyway, I guess yeah. I mean, look, I I, I don't mind cake, but at the same time, yeah, you, know, you can have too much cake. Oh yeah, that's just I just felt that song suited the scene. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, you got a good point. You got a point. Look, um. But I mean, it's, it's it's okay not to like it. I'm just saying that I I didn't mind it, but it's okay yeah. for you not to. There's nothing wrong with that. Are you sure? I don't know. And look, in regards, you mentioned comic book guy before there that you didn't like it. I didn't mind it because as soon as Marge said about the gambling problem, in my mind I go, "Ah, oh, fuck! I've already done this." And then comic book guy comes in and goes, "I'm watching you," and I'm like, "Ha! You got me!" Like I, I immediately went to comic book guy mode and went, "No, you've already done this story." But then comic book guy was basically yeah. being me. That's that's why I didn't mind it. I don't know. I think a. A few, some, there are some things in The Simpsons that go, a little bit goes a long way, and I think Comic Book Guy is one of those. I think you've got to be very careful with how you deploy him. And I think if you're using him as a commentary on your own uh, repetition or something like that, it can feel a little bit grating. I mean, yeah, don't, don't, don't do it all the time, of course. <clears throat> no, no. I mean, and the fact that they did it a few times in the episode, eh, look, it could be seen as, yes, a good bit of self reference on their part, but it also felt like. You went to the well one too many times with this. And then there are other twice. sort of... Ra- it's only twice. <laughs> but there are other, you know, sort of bits and pieces in there that just felt sort of like random for the sake of random. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know Give if like... Example. The, Give us an example. Um, like, like the baby rat packer in the... That, um, that, that I thought was just, yeah, bizarre. I, I agree, yeah. Yeah, I mean, is, is he a recurring character at all? Have we no, ever I've seen never, him I don't before? think we ever see him again. That's weird. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean... It felt, it felt very... Out of place to introduce a character like that, and the, the gag. This is the thing. Like I said at the start, it wasn't even funny. No, no, that's the thing. I mean, it wasn't sort of. I mean, I think at this time, around two thousand, certainly in the late nineties and maybe into the early two thousands, there was a sort of a mini renaissance of the Rat Pack. Um, swing dancing was a huge thing. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, it's it's sort of had a bit of a bit of a comeback, but. Uh, yeah, this just didn't feel like a, a call out to that so much as like, I don't know, someone in the writing room likes Sinatra or Dean Martin or something and just wanted to throw it in for the sake of throwing it in. Mm. Yep, yep. I didn't mind. I actually really enjoyed Bart in this episode. I thought this is the type of Bart that I like. You know, the one that, you know, supporting the horse and just wanting, not being naughty for the sake of being naughty. He was just, he, he came across like a, a generally good kid in this. And that's the Bart yeah. that I like. He sometimes gets up to mischief, but not, I don't like him when Bart's being cruel for the sake of being cruel. And he was anything but that here. No, that was, I did, I did enjoy that. I mean, I was surprised, you know, that, um, that uh, he stepped up for Dunk, uh, for Duncan as opposed to Lisa. But then, you know, we've already had Lisa have a relationship with a horse in the past. So that is true. And I think just Bart in general has, does have a soft spot for animals, to, it, mostly. I think so. Yeah, I mean, he's always sort of um, he's good with the dog. You haven't I haven't seen him interact too much with the cat. I don't think the Stampy, cat. The Stampy Simpsons... the elephant. Oh, Stampy, of course. Where's my elephant? Um... <laughs> <laughs> we've all asked um, that. In the... We've all asked that. 
But all in all, I just, yeah, I th- it, it, it was absurd. I mean, let's discuss the jockey scenario. So a lot of people hate the fact that the jockeys are a bunch of random people who live like freaks, as they call themselves, under the ground. It's fucking weird. It's ridiculous. It didn't really need to go there. They could have worked that storyline around without the sake of them being creatures from another world. Yes. But the, that that's the aspect I didn't like. But still, there's plenty of laughs throughout the last scene for me that I enjoyed where I was able to sort of turn a blind eye. But I'm watching it thinking, you really probably could have just had these being humans who want to take down Duncan for, for stealing the spotlight, you know? Yeah, pretty much just like a syndicate of jockeys who, you know, pretty much run the racing world. I mean, to me, turning uh, the jockeys into I don't know, little mole people or whatever they called themselves or trolls or whatever, it felt more like a South Park gag. I mean, South Park can sort of get away with things like the underpants gnomes or crab people or something like that. I mean, I don't know, they, they have a tendency to sort of be able to fold that into their mythology or their world building a bit easier i don't yeah, think well, 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 in, in their world anything is possible it's just ridiculous exactly yeah yeah the simpsons sort of it seems a little more grounded in realism even when it isn't i mean of course you know homer's not going to become an astronaut or anything like that in the real world but this thing but the simpsons generally has like a foundation of realism of authenticity and all of a sudden what there's a <laughs> a race of trolls who are, you know, coming up to the surface and, I don't know, making bankers jockeys. It's 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 too much of a stretch for me. <laughs> it really was. Uh, we'll give you that. And it's just, yeah, it just didn't need to happen. So the Simpsons writers, you think like five or six seasons ago, would have come up with a way to just have them be like a jockey mafia or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, there, there was probably talk in the writing rooms like, uh, that's a bit obvious. Uh, let's Let's, you know... Let's go out. Let's think outside the square. And, you know, they ventured outside the square and got hopelessly lost. <laughs> the thing is, though, it's that it also it also comes across kind of cheesy in that, oh, yes, they're short people. They must be freaks. You know, like they're, they're, little, they're little trolls because they're short people. It's like, eh, I don't know if this really holds up in 2020. <laughs> yeah, again, it felt, yeah. I mean, I'm... Not one to sort of. I'm very insensitive, let's just say. But even, uh, yeah, this kind of scenario is like, yeah, don't know if this flies. No. Hey, my favorite. What was your favorite moment from the episode? Um, look, it was a just a few, just a single uh, bit, really. But um, just that old posh, well, the old posh couple at the um, at the race course, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Just losing monocle after monocle just by being so shocked and, you know, appalled by everything. And I enjoyed the back reference from the commentator where he goes, hold on to your monocles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't I, know that that, that guy uh, voicing the uh, the commentator or the race caller was an actual race caller. Yeah, yeah. And he just played himself, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and of course, the other thing that I liked was um, just having Backman Turner Overdrive because um, I've been singing along to Taking Care of Business and, uh, well, since, uh, since I was a young'un. I, I, did, I did enjoy, I know Homer was a real jerk throughout moments of this episode, but for some reason, it had me laughing. Like, when he was oh, yelling out to the band, I'm like, this is every time you go to a concert of a band from that's like got a few big hits. You don't want to hear the new shit. You just want to hear the hits. Oh, absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and even if you're a polite person who really sort of digs the band and you, you know, 
Oh, yeah, we've come out to support Backman Turner Overdrive. You're really there for, you know, taking care of business. And the fact that he just wants straight to the certain part of the song Oh, as well. yeah. No, <laughs> not even the chorus. Just get to the take care of business part. <laughs> it's, it's really, really good. I, I really but, laughed at that. But honestly, <laughs> I mean, just, just piping up with, no talking, no new yeah. crap. <laughs> no new crap. Taking care of business. And just doing his shit dance to it, which I'm pretty sure I've seen a bunch of middle-aged dudes at concerts like myself do in that situation. It was very, very good stuff. One of the, my favourite cameos for a while, purely because of Homer. But I also liked, and it's so ridiculous, but Homer giving the thumbs up to Lisa when she loses. Oh, yeah. And then, like, it's like, we all know who's going to win. Thumbs up. It's Ogdenville. <laughs> thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's one other moment I like to... Oh, and it's just him being a joke once again, but him blowing the jockeys away with his air horn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In your little faces. <laughs> oh, it's something else I actually really enjoyed um, going back earlier was um, when they had the the, uh, the music competition and um, Ogdenville actually won, I just loved the their conductor's sort of smug expression. <laughs> he just had this real kind of, mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look on his Glow face. It was, it was great. <laughs> Speaking well, of actually, before before we get to new names, speaking of music teachers, and you mentioned before that you think comic book guys are a character that they shouldn't draw out too much in an episode. I have to say that as well with Mr. Largo, the Springfield's music teacher. It just felt weird hearing him talk for so long. I just don't a, think that it was just bizarre. There was a lot of him. Yeah, in this it, you, don't yeah normally, you don't normally get that much, and it, I just don't think his character is suited for that. No, it also felt a bit kind of a bit dated as well. You know, yeah. it's a bit kind of, uh, well, as Baby Sinatra says, eh, what a fruit fly. It's like, mm, okay. <laughs> From this day forward, your names will be... New names for this week. So the current leaderboard is... Uh, actually, before we get to leaderboard, let's get into our, our beloved patrons. So $20 patrons. This episode is brought to you by Jordan Moleman Ritchie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Melion, and Will Manthorpe. They're $20 patrons. We love you guys. So, oh. so, 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 so much. And also shout a shout out. out. To- oh, sorry. I'm just giving, I'm giving a shout out as well. Anyway, I know you're giving a collective shout out down there, but I'd like to shout out too, you know. Would, would you like to read out the, the new patrons, even though you don't have to listen in front of you? <laughs> uh, no, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> <laughs> new patrons are Craig Fairley, Kayla Smith, DL Gorman. He's back. Uh, Michael Sultana. Alice, Kaylee, Burton, and Ben. Thank you so much for jumping on the Four Figure Discount Patreon bandwagon, guys. Really do appreciate your support and looking forward to chatting to you all in the Four Figure Discount Facebook group and hope you enjoy all the bonus exclusive podcasts that you get by being a Four Finger Discount patron. Just for as low as $1 per month, you can get access to some bonus podcasts. That's at patreon.com slash Four Finger Discount. Now it's time for did, the new name leaderboard. Did uh, you say $1 a month? $1 a month? $1. Oh my $1. But I'm pretty, sure they'll be, I'm pretty sure they'll be happier with the dollar. Maybe, but uh, that's a pretty good price for some primo content. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, the new name leaderboard. So, in third position, we have a tie between Christopher Darby. By the way, you are right. It is Chris Darby on Facebook, not oh, Christopher. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I call him Christopher Darby. Uh, and Jimmy Ferruja. In second position, we have Andrew Parker on 10 points. And at the top of the list on 13 points, it is Garode Harrahill. Yeah. All right. Um, look, a lot of good new titles this episode. Uh, a lot of good plays on uh, existing uh, movie titles. A lot of good, uh, lot of good horse puns. Um, 
just a lot of good stuff around. So a few honourable mentions before we get to the old three, two, one of it all. Um, I was very partial to Liam Reed's um, Furious D Biscuit because you know it's a play on Sea Biscuit, the famous mm. uh, the famous racehorse. Yes, not bad work from Liam. Uh, our man Gear uh, chimed in with the uh, that's Gearoid. How the hell do you um, chimed in with the Jockey Horror Picture Show? Solid. <laughs> I really do like that. Yeah, that is good. Uh, Jennifer yeah, McKay. Just, just 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 sorry for interrupting, but Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was yes. a movie that I liked when I was a kid, and I watched it, I don't know, three or four years ago. And I, I, it's one of my favourite movies now, but I had no idea it was so raunchy. My mum oh, let me watch it when I was like six. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very sexy in, in, a, variety, in, a, in a variety of ways. <laughs> it really uh, is. <laughs> yep, 70s was a different time, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what other new names we got? <laughs> uh, Jennifer McKay came forward with The Fast and the Farious... Um, mm-hmm. And then provide a little explanation that a farrier is a person who sort of looks after horseshoes, hoofs, that kind of thing. So, um, cool. not too bad, not too bad. Uh, a, a name that needs explanation is a good name. Well, I thought it was very, <laughs> I thought it was very uh, gracious of Jennifer to sort of point out. Maybe not a lot of you know who a fa- what a farrier is. There I'm you sure go. they you weren't. Had, yeah, you, you had fun. You learned a little something too. That's good. Hundred um, Brandon Twitchell. Uh, a bit of a bit of a Simpsons shout out with the horse that couldn't slow down. Mm, that's pretty good. And your man Jimmy Farouja. Um, Jimmy, I hope you don't mind that we sort of put that uh, that spin on your sp- on your surname. It's just a fun name to say. Turns out his I name ho- is Farugia. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy having your name as much as we enjoy saying it, Jimmy. That's yes. all I got to say on the matter. Um, Jimmy chimed in with now watch Bart whip as Duncan Nays. Now. This is some musical reference that I don't really get because, you know, I stopped listening to music in 1998, I think. But uh, no, that is Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Nay Nay. Good work, Jimmy. Your pop culture reference is only a few years old, but still, I dug it. (laughs) (laughs) But now to the one, two, three votes. And with one point is D.L. Gorman. Uh, with With dealies or no dealies. Well done. So one point. He's first week back and he's already on the board. Oh, announcing your presence with authority, DL. Good <laughs> on you. Um, do we know what DL stands for? You don't have to tell us, DL. We can just call you Gore or something. Um, I, I have no idea. Because, see, DL used to be a patron. He shot back on the bandwagon. And, um, yeah, I'm not too sure um, what the DL stands for. Maybe he'll let he, us know. That's the thing. Maybe DL is not even a dude. I Ma- ooh. Maybe the DL pop- stands for... Diana Lana or something. I don't know. The plot thickens. But maybe it stands for David Logan. I don't know. But who knows? Initials, they're fun and anonymous. Anyway, uh, two points go to Andy Gengler for for Lisa Gets a Pony 2. This time it's Bart. I just thought that was pretty good in, in terms of, you know, this episode calls itself out a bit on, you know, being a bit repetitive, uh, going over old ground. And, yeah, I think that's uh, a good shout out to that. So, nice work, Andy. Is, is, is Duncan really a pony, though? No, Duncan looks like a full-on stallion. <laughs> Duncan looks like a... I mean, horses go to stud, and, well, I mean, I think Duncan is definitely going to stud a bit later. I did like yeah. that at the very end. with like, yeah, you yeah. imagine that face on that body? And I think Duncan actually did the sex growl. I he think did. he actually... Ooh. He sort of did a... <laughs> but in a nay form, so... <laughs> 
So uh, Andy Ganglum moves up the rankings. He's now on three points. And who was our lucky winner for the week? Three points go to Alistair Danok. Oh, with Danok. A Danok Direct with um, That's a Sadlin. I like that. That's really, very good. That's good. I mean, it's, so, it's, it's uh, Simpsons relevant and it's episode relevant. You know, it's... Um, yeah, it, it it's, works. It's so good that it moves Alistair up into a tie for third position. Oh, it's, it's no it's longer getting exciting. It's, 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 it's no a, longer it's, top gear. It's a uh, it's equal gear. <laughs> well, gear still gear still at the top, but I'm telling you, there's four people right up his caboose trying to steal that top that, uh, that top score. Watch your caboose gear. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, guys, for contributing to the new names for this week. It's my definitely my favorite part of the whole show for the week now. I know that doesn't say much about uh, the podcast, but I'm talk- not talking about The Simpsons <laughs> isn't my favorite part. But I just really enjoy, I love the interaction with the, with the fans and the fact that they've all got an incentive to, uh, to want to contribute to it now and they've got a goal because they want to win that sweet, sweet prize at the end of the season. Absolutely. Sweet, sweet prizes. And, um, but yeah, look, I'm a, I'm a, I feel bad that I haven't sort of name-checked Pretty much everyone who who threw their hat into the ring there because a lot of good stuff. Honestly, you all get honourable mentions, but the people who actually got mentioned, their mentions are a little bit more honourable. And the people who actually got points, well, they're even more honourable. But hey, it's honour across the board. Next question. You there, eating the paste. Trivia. All righty, <laughs> Mr. Davis. Can you hit me with your first question, please? I will indeed. Um, Homer says that uh, BTO is Canada's answer to ELP. Um, do you know who ELP is? I was going to say ELO, but it's not ELO. I don't know who. Who is it? It's Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Okay, well, <laughs> and they and obviously a, a trio. They were a trio. Honestly, they didn't really sound anything like BTO. So yes, <laughs> I, I don't know where Homer got that. Uh, my my first question is: Homer pretends to be a Vietnam War veteran. Where did he see his friend's head explode? Oh, did he? Was it that Margaret show? Correct. <laughs> Just give him the fifty cents. <laughs> um, how many men? How many guilty men would Chief Wiggum let go free than rather chase after them? That is a thousand. And how great was that line? <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then chase after them. <laughs> uh, who? Uh, yeah, who was at? You'd have to name two of them. Who was at the wuss bets section? I, I had this question as well, okay. actually. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure, was Reverend Lovejoy there? Well, if you've got the question, surely you've got the answers. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to wing it. Um, Mole Man's there. Hans Mole Man's there. And I'm yep. pretty sure Reverend Lovejoy is there as well. Yes, and Flanders and Skinner. Yeah. Canada's okay. bet that the horses are have a good time. <laughs> that's a good line, actually. I get the feeling that's been memed a bit as well. It has been. Every time it's the Melbourne Cup, it gets used a lot in the show now. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. What are the odds uh, that Duncan will win his first race? Five million to one. That is correct. <laughs> uh, who endorsed the fire extinguisher that Marge purchased? Oh. Imagine if they had a baby. Yeah, I, it's it's Linda Carter, mm-hmm. and whose shoulders is she on? Um, is it a sportsman? He likes to grill. It's George Foreman. 
George Foreman, correct. <laughs> thank you for the, thank you for the uh, for the hint. I appreciate that. Yes. Okay. Um, what is Bart wearing uh, the first time he rides Duncan in a race instead of racing silks? Well, this is this was one of my questions. It's purple pajamas with Krusty's face, and I thought that was just so innocent and great. <laughs> We're very much on the same page here today, Dando. It's good. <laughs> Uh, my final question is: What is the name of the horse that Duncan ends up choosing? Oh, was it Queenie? Queenie, well done. Yes. Oh, cool. I only remembered Queenie. <laughs> I couldn't. Re- <laughs> Princess was Princess another one? Probably. It was just yeah. Yeah, very typical names like that, stereotypical oh. names. But um, yeah, a, a good way to end this, the the episode if that just ended up there. It didn't need the Clinton thing. The Clinton thing, I was just like, ugh. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so the original air date of Satisol Galactica was February 6th in 2000. So you're right. Uh, Clinton was coming towards the end. I believe he, he finished in 2000, did he not? Started in 93? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, he was uh, elected yeah, yeah. in 92. In yeah. Yeah. Um, and the chopboard gag substitute teachers are not scabs, and the couch gag, the family are karate experts. They chop the couch, and Homer turns on the TV. Uh, <laughs> the episode kicks off with the Springfield kids, the school band, practicing. They're just doing stars and stripes, um, but it's just it's just, it's the same old thing. And Lisa wants something different. Uh, Mr. Lago announces they've been accepted into the state band comp, so Lisa says, "Let's do let's do something different." You know. Um, now I'm not going to lie; I'm going to sound very uneducated here. Sousa, Sousa, what? What Sousa. is that? John Phillips. Yeah. John Phillips Sousa is the uh, yeah, basically the the guy behind well, Stars and Stripes Forever and. Other sort of marching band stuff. I look. I don't honestly know a lot about him. The main thing I do know about him, and I'm going to try and find this online and put it up on the in the patrons page. Um, but there's a there was a sketch show called Mister Show with Bob Odenkirk of Better Call Saul and yep. David Cross yep, yep. from Arrested Development, and they did this sort of um, piss take on Amadeus, but it was about uh, it had Sousa as like this you know brattish kind of Mozart figure who you know just came up with these genius marches. You know, he was just this dickhead, and David Cross was playing this um, other conductor who was, you know, trying to come up with these beautiful sort of marches as well. But you know, he's constantly infuriated by. He just comes up with a blood the top of his head. I don't know. It's fun. It's funnier than I'm making it seem. So it's, how, it's, how, it's how every composer looks at John Williams. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sousa is. Anytime you hear, yeah, that's essentially what he does. And okay. he's probably the best known composer or conductor of that kind of thing. Did he do Charge? I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I suppose that's not, really, that's not really band though, is it? No. He may have even done Call to Post. I don't know. Possibly, I mean, yeah. Yes. Welcome to Four Figure Discount, the, <laughs> the podcast <laughs> where the hosts don't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, where at the fair Homer tries to uh, get in for free without paying 50 cents but pretend to be a war veteran kind of kind of a dodgy thing to do no it, it is it is a dodgy thing to do to it's a very a dodgy veteran. thing to do uh, did you know there's a phrase for that kind of thing it's called stolen valour okay did not know yeah, that yeah apparently no. enough people do it that it's got a name that uh, <laughs> that you know you sort of say yeah I was in the shit man and it turns out you weren't or you're maybe um you know, you say, oh, yeah, I was in the service during Nam, and you're like a clerk working in Germany or something like that. But anyway, so they walk into the fair, all oh, the various by, stalls. Yeah, by the way, I mean, that, that whole bit was a bit dodgy, but it, I, it did close out very well with Homer saying, this, chooses the, this closes the saddest chapter in American history. 
I don't mean, oh, when, when, when he puts on his really somber voice like that, I mean, yeah, that's something I really enjoy. I mean, I, I, I'm partial to Homer at the, at the best of times because I, too, am a, a well-fed, bald gentleman. Um, <laughs> but uh, whenever he puts on his solemn voice, I, I just really, really enjoy it. And that was a good example of it. <laughs> I really enjoyed... Um so the, you got the various stores. You got Miracle Shears, Drain Bugger. I love the crowd reaction to Omnigogs. Oh yeah! So the guy gets shot back in like a van, and he's like, "I'm all right, folks," and everyone just hands him money. <laughs> <laughs> Except Lenny. Yeah, it's a little late for Lenny. Uh, and see, I didn't. I forgot it was in this episode. So that's a very iconic moment. It's like Lenny. Lenny's eye has become a recurring gag now. Oh, he's not supposed to get pudding in it. Well, that's that's no. a Lenny line. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't. We haven't hit that episode yet, so at least you get to experience. Oh my oh. eye! I'm not supposed to get pudding in it. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> the best part is is when Hobo throws another pudding straight after it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, so yeah, I'll, I'll let you explain what happens next. Who does Homer go to see play live? Homer goes to see a band called Backman Turner Overdrive. Um, they. Look, they recorded a lot of songs, I'm sure, but everyone knows them for Taking Care of Business and You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Um, Dead, <laughs> no I mean, they, they are They are two big songs. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, Taking Care of Business, absolutely. You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet eh, is probably coming in close, a close second, but everyone knows Taking Care of Business. Um, and apparently... Uh, Look, the the Buckman and Turner, a Buckman Turner Overdrive, uh, were not uh, that friendly with one another. I think they'd had creative differences over the years, and I think they actually had to record their parts. They had to record their parts separately in this uh, in this episode. Yeah, but uh, I've read that they were very very easy to get along with. They were lovely people. Yes, yeah. Well, they're Canadian. I mean, uh, if Canadians are known for for anything, it's uh, you know ice hockey and politeness. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) And Terence and Philip. There is that too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're going to you know, perform with the stuff in the new album, but they get no talking, no new crap. Homer, I think, is speaking for the whole audience and indeed for all of us. You know? Oh, yes, 100%. Like I said, like, Homer's being an absolute jerk here, but he's doing. He's saying exactly what everyone thinks when they go to see he's, an old yeah. person play. <laughs> he's saying what we're all thinking. Yeah, so, um, so yes, Just, we, uh, we get a little bit of a Backman-Turner Overdrive musical interlude, complete with daggy middle-aged man dancing. Hello! Springfield! We're going to play all your old favorites. But first, we'd like to dip into our new CD. Taking care of business! Don't worry, sir. We'll get to that one. No talking! No new crap! Taking care of business now! Get to the working overtime plan! Unbelievable. Dumbass. Wake up! It's, um, it's very good. Then we get the kids uh, playing Living in America. Then the comptroller comes out to announce the winner, but he somehow forgets that we've still got one more band and it's Ogdenville. They appear out of nowhere. They play Stars and Stripes. Lisa thinks, ha, these guys are fucked. You know, Stars and Stripes, no one wants that. But no, she didn't count on the fact that they were going to have glow sticks. Glow sticks were a big thing back then. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure exactly when they took off, but I mean... Certainly in the in in the uh, mid to late nineties and maybe early two thousands, yeah, waving glow sticks around when you were sort of you know 
forgive the uh, adult content, folks, but when you're you know off your nut on pingers, um, you're sort of waving glow sticks around at the club. It's like, well, man, this is a thing. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that uh, that Ogdenville actually sort of you know pinched the uh, pinched uh, snatched victory from the jaws of defeat thanks to glow sticks. By the I way, remember, so- I remember lo- local reference. By the way, there was another time that I went to the Rugrats Friday Night Disco without a glow stick. Oh, and of course you were, you know, off your head on pingers at the Rugrats Disco. <laughs> at the age of 10. <laughs> <laughs> Just to rewind a bit as well. Um, yep. Homer points out, it's like, oh, that was up there with, that was like the third best rendition of Living in America that he ever heard. Yeah. I wonder what the second was because I don't know how, how many other people have sort of done Living in America other than James Brown in Rocky IV. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a great song though. Oh, Living America is fantastic. And there's one other thing. I'm, I'm assuming people have either seen Rocky Four or they have seen the film clip of James Brown doing Living in America. You only wish on the coolest day in your life that you could be as cool as that guy who twirls his trumpet like a six-shooter. <laughs> yes. Do you know the guy I'm talking about? Exactly, yeah, 100%. Oh, my God, that guy's an absolute fucking hero. <laughs> like He's doing that at every party he ever goes to forever. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> He just carries around a trumpet for the rest of his life. <laughs> he doesn't, you know, he shows up at like family Christmases or something. It's like, hey, uncle, whoever, did you bring us a cool gift? No, but I did bring this. Twirls, twirls the trumpet. Yay! <laughs> no one wants to be his friend. They just want to see the, tru- they just want to see the trumpet. <laughs> well, that's the And it'd be. He'd probably go and do like a, a solo gig or something. He's probably the best trumpeter since Miles Davis or whatever. And someone like Home would be in the front going, just twirl the trumpet. <laughs> just twirl the damn trumpet. <laughs> you don't even have to play, just twirl it. <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. We've sidetracked. Uh, uh, what were we up to? Oh, yeah. So basically they, they win and then so we get Homer giving the thumbs up. It's just a... Hmm? <laughs> uh, Lisa... Attacks one of the winners. Lisa's very spiteful here, isn't she? She is actually, but you know, it's it's a good moral lesson in, in being a in being a, a poor loser or a good winner because you know you you don't get that dope uh, trophy that she was about to get. I did love Marge zinging her though. More like state unfair. Yes, Lisa, that's exactly what I meant. State unfair. <laughs> I I wrote that down. I said that's a pretty good zinger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Homer has deep fried his shirt. I didn't say you shouldn't. I said I didn't say you couldn't. I said you shouldn't. So they then see Duncan, the incredible diving horse, and you just can't help but feel sorry for him, can you? That's oh, a fucking, God, that's he, a big drop. Absolutely, and I mean this is a, a thing that happened. I mean they actually had diving horses. Mm. I mean they may still actually have them in the US at like state fairs and carnival fairs. Although I certainly I hope get, not. Yeah, I get the feeling sort of. Um, Animal cruelty has become enough of an issue that um, any right-minded person would kind of step in and say, uh, "Maybe don't get, uh, have the horse jumping from the tower or the I think, dog." I think, or I, think they made it pretty, I think they made it pretty hard to get animal cruelty licenses these days, anyway. Well, yeah. So or um, permits. <laughs> you've got a permit for animal cruelty. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, I know I felt terrible for Duncan the animal. Yeah, it's, it's 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 because when he's falling. You don't hear anything but his horse crying out from the di- from the distance and him just falling in this in the from the sky and I'm like this is horrifying. Yeah, and then even once he's in the in the um, in the big water tank, he's like ah, ah, flailing yeah. around and eventually tries to make his way out and only be told nah, back up, do it again. Ugh. 
Uh, this is clearly a case of animal cruelty. Uh, do you have a permit for that? No problem, sir. It's in my car. You gotta stop being so trusting, Chief. I'd rather let a thousand guilty men go free than chase after them. All right, show's over, folks. I'm afraid this horse is going to the dog food factory. Good luck getting a horse to eat dog food. You can't do that to Duncan. It's not his fault that his owner was a sleaze. Look, I just want the horse to have a good home or be food. If you want to take him, fine with me. I do love the <laughs> good luck getting that horse to eat dog food. <laughs> 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 Look, I just want this horse to have a good home or be dog food. <laughs> I don't know if it's an urban legend or dogs actually were sort of, you know, minced up and put into pal or something uh, like that. Oh, uh, dogs mean, were. Horses were. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mincing dogs yeah. and feeding them to one another. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You mince up dogs and you feed them to horses. Oh, yeah. And also you wear shoes on your hands and burgers eat people. <laughs> but imagine if dog food was made out of dogs. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. I think in some anim- and I think in some like big factory farms, they actually feed animals to the same animal. I'm pretty sure. Oh, would, like, would not surprise me. Yeah, yeah. We should all go <laughs> vegan. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is where comic book guy interrupts and explains it's already happened. Should the Simpsons get a horse? Excuse me, but I believe this family already had a horse, and the expense forced Homer to work at the Quickie Mart with hilarious consequences. Anybody care what this guy thinks? No! Tunnel! I did enjoy that. Tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Uh, We come back and Marge is very similar to when... I don't know whether this is meant to be a joke. The fact that this is exactly the same thing that happened when Lisa got a pony. But Marge is worried that they can't afford all the costs. Um. But what was with the fucking mop? This was bizarre. It was so creepy. I mean, I, I was I was happy to note that they actually bought a drain bugger. I thought, or mm. although that was that was pretty nice. That was a nice shout. But that and Marge mop, would actually buy one. Yeah, yeah. But that mop was so creepy. You're right. It was just it was just, it was just weird. I was like, except that, but things things got even creepier after that. I'm sorry. Did they? I mean, the whole bit with the perlos. With the what? The Perlos, you know, where, where they talk about pearls or whatever. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, you thought oh, sorry, we're, we're, jumping, we're jumping ahead a bit. Yeah, you but, ju- you, I was like, what, what, what's going on? So the vision where he's having a, a vision of a world full of pearls, you thought that was creepy? I thought it was so creepy <laughs> where he's just eating a, eating a, you know, a big spoonful of pearls and they just break <laughs> his teeth up. And I'm like, oh, maybe because, I mean, you know, time for guys' personal information. I mean, I, I tend to grind my teeth. So, oh, so do um, I. Yeah, I need to stop it. Yeah, I know, yeah, I need to get a like uh, a mouth guard or something and sleep with a bit in because you know <laughs> I'll sometimes wake up and go, "You've been grinding your teeth. I can feel it." So um, <laughs> you say it to yourself. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like, oh, you grind your teeth again, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, <it> did. <laughs> the thing is, though, have you ever had that dream where your teeth are falling out? I must confess, I've never had that. I've he- oh, I hear man. about it all the time, and I think I've had it I've- twice. It's so scary. It means it means you're highly stressed, apparently. Yes, yep, yep, hundred percent. And <laughs> to which me, point you say, which point you say, no shit. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just I, I can feel it happening right now. It's the most, it's it stays with you. It's really bizarre. But um, but before we get the the pearl vision, I did love. So Duncan's <laughs> really good at football. Now let's just see if horses can play the NFL. 
<laughs> is it just me or does Homer actually look good in that hat? I think that oh, hat he, really suits him. Was it his Tom Landry hat? I can't remember. It could be, actually. It sort of looked a bit Tom Landry hat. I think it's, I think it's the hat he wears when he's the coach of Bart's Pee Wee football team as well, okay. if I remember correctly. But um, <laughs> I think Homer always looks good in the hat. Yeah. It's just the shape of his head. It sort of suits him. And I really do dig his little reading glasses, just the half glasses as well when he's in bed. <laughs> um, Bart suggests that they should race Duncan because he's pretty fast. We cut to Lisa writing a letter to Clinton because she's so, so angry that these other kids <laughs> won the state fair competition because, you know, it's very important. And Marge says, you know, you should focus on good things, um, which is actually good advice. Focus on things that matter. And this is not one of them. Yeah. Um, but things that matter to Marge include setting the curtains on fire and putting them out with a new fire extinguisher. Dad, if we're going to race Duncan, shouldn't we hire a professional trainer? Son, I learned everything I needed to know from the horse whisperer. Step one, seduce a lonely housewife. Ma'am. Now for the actual horse whispering. When the race starts, run really fast. Now, what was the seduce a lonely housewife? What was with that? Um, there was a uh, movie back in the late 90s uh, called The Horse Whisperer. Okay, see, I thought it must have been a reference to some sort of film. I, I didn't look it up, but yeah, yeah, yeah. starring uh, Robert Redford and Kristen Scott Thomas, and the gist of it is Kristen Scott Thomas, uh, her daughter is Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson has fallen off a horse, lost. Uh, she's in a terrible accident, lost half of her leg, oh, and shit. has bec- and has become very sort of you know withdrawn and all that kind of stuff. And they figure the best thing is a bit of equine therapy. Um, but the best thing, the best person to sort of do that is this uh, real Marlboro Man cowboy played by Robert Redford, who um, is good with horses and good with people, Horse Whisperer. And somewhere along the way, Kristen Scott Thomas has got a, she's unhappily married to Sam Neill. I mean, why would you be unhappy being married to Sam Neill? He's the fucking best. It's but, a dinosaur uh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, by the way, I don't know if you, you see him on Twitter at all, but Sam Neill, for a little while there, when he was... Um, uh, self-quarantining he played little songs on his ukulele it's like why isn't this guy the biggest movie star in the world he's so charming I want I mean <laughs> he should be our dad he should be our collective dad he's just lovely but he's anyway like, he's like he's the Australian Tom Hanks very much so and of course New Zealanders are chime in and say hey he's a New Zealander it's like well, no he's ours now no, we, we've claimed him <laughs> we have we can get, we're uh, going to give you back Russell Crowe, but we're taking Sam now. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so... Have we, have, um, we, have we given back Crowded House yet, or are they... Oh, no, no, no. Um, no, they're ours forever. Oh, they're actually, forever. no, I'll tell you what, we'll share them. We'll share them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, they'll be up for that. Um, so we're at yeah. the race course. Yeah. I was so, looking for a winning ticket on the <laughs> yeah. ground. Yeah. Anyway, that's the plot of The Horse Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> 1998, directed by Robert Redford and starring Robert Redford. At <laughs> uh, the race course, most looking for the winning ticket. This was pretty stupid. The, the heart coming out of his chest. I was like, what is going on here? A, yeah, a good sort of cartoonish bit. But I don't know. It's kind of like, uh, this episode's going to run 30 seconds short unless we put in a bit. Yeah. We put in that bit. Eh. <laughs> Just once I'd like to ride clockwise. Really? I thought I was the only one. Now, I don't know if this was foreshadowing or what, but I wrote down here, these guys have got deep voices for jockeys. Because, and I don't want to stereotype anything like that, but usually when you hear jockeys, it's kind of like, yeah, it was a good race. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what they say too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, inaccurate jockey voicing. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't actually, I didn't actually pay attention to that, but you're right, yeah. Um, Homer then rocks up with his air horn, scaring everybody. <laughs> air horns are one of the most obnoxious things in the world. 
but they are so fun. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I, this is semi-airhorn related, but the one thing that always, well, a thing that recently has made me laugh, particularly in movies, or but also in music, is just um, whenever you've got like an amateur DJ or a shit DJ who you know, throws the air horn in like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> anytime that happens, I mean, I think it happened. It was in uh, like Spider Man Homecoming, where where uh, you know Flash the dipshit bully, he was trying to be a DJ at the party, and he just you know he had no sort of skills at all, but he kept going. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me laugh for some reason. I don't know why. It has to be just like that too. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Even even doing it myself makes me laugh. Oh boy. Okay, sorry. Sorry. All right. Yeah, trying to trying to calm down. <laughs> See? I don't I don't know why it's so funny to me, but it's just hilarious. Oh man, I was I was trying my hardest not to burst out laughing when you were doing it, man. <laughs> oh dear. All right, where but yes, we, where to? Air we, horns. let's move beyond the air horn, quick. <laughs> oh, that's going to be like a recurring thing. Now you realise that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, where, where where were we up to? The air horn. Oh yeah, up to so the. Air got, horn. So, so Duncan's got number five spray painted on him. He's he's just the he's the straggler. He's no everyone else he is professional. Is. He's just rocked up. Uh, the jockey's all looking down on him. You really think that horse can race? Well, he ran all the way here. <laughs> Homer's annoyed with the odds, but Bart, he's very supportive. He says, you know, don't worry, mate. I'll love you even if you don't win. And this was a very nice moment here. Um, a very nice bonding moment between Duncan and Bart. And yeah, I've got here, I really dug Bart's pajamas and his little baseball cap turned around. <laughs> that horse better win or we're taking a trip to the glue factory and he won't get to come. Yeah, that's a great tour. Well, you can't see it all in one day. Hey, be quiet. This was actually really clever. You've got to give it to him. Playing the comeback story. Oh, what a shame the race is already finished. <laughs> <laughs> um, we come back from commercial. Homer is just not encouraging at all. All the jockeys snicker at, at, um, at Homer and Duncan because, you know, he was too scared to race at the start. But Homer says, he's, that's all right. We're going to toughen him up. We cut to, uh, to Lisa calling Clinton. Here, though, is where we get our intro, not to Duncan, but Furious D. Indeed. <laughs> Not anymore. Ladies, say hello to... Furious D? He's the bad boy of racing. He's got attitude and battitude, so show him some latitude and you'll win his gratitude. Only in America. Ew, you used my bracelet for a nose ring. Possessions are fleeting. Of course, you know, uh, Furious D is the Dennis Rodman of horses. I mean... Um, yeah, now, I, was, I, I, did, I never saw this written on anywhere on the wiki page and never actually came to me until someone mentioned it in the, um, in the Facebook group, but... Spot on. It actually is. I guess it would have been because this is kind of after... I mean, Robin was still a thing in 2000, but he was really, you know, like 96, 97, 98. That's when he was really at his most notorious, Absolutely, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, both as a as a basketballer and a personality. I mean, um, he was appearing in movies as well. I mean, he had... Um, he was in like a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called okay. Double Team. Oh, this. Yes. Yeah, of course he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think they were trying to fashion him as like a bit of an action hero and I think he he made double team and one or two others but it was like eh this guy's not really cutting it 
Um, but anyways, yes, yeah, so like you said, Duncan, he's very much like uh, like Dennis Robin here. Um, he he's just we, we get actually the before he starts racing, we get the um, the the bets. So Marge with the uh, with the wuss bets, Bart tells Duncan, "Don't worry, mate. You've got a new persona. Um, you know you can you can take these horses on. Don't worry about it." And we get Marge with the gambling problem. <laughs> what? Look at that disgraceful beast! Good lord, what has become of the sport of kings? Get banned! Oh! That's my third monocle this week. I simply must stop being so horrified. So many horses, I don't know who to vote for. Can't they just bet that all the horses will have a fun time? Yeah, I think you want that light. He looks scary. Yeah, I'm shaking in my silks. (laughs) (laughs) Don't listen to him, D. Just remember, you've got a new persona. A new persona. And away they go. Okay, Lisa, I've got Furious D across the board, boxed with the three and the eight, and wheeled up and down. Um, I think he might be developing a gambling problem. Hey, I'm watching you. They're tightly bunched as they round the far turn. Wait a minute. Hang on to your monocles, cause Furious D is closing like a horse possessed. That's it, D. Don't let anyone push you around. Be as bad as you want to be. And the winner, Furious D. Oh, man, that horse don't take no guff from nobody. Guff? I mean, shit. In your little faces! And I remember really liking this when I was a kid. I'm watching it now. So it just had, didn't even get a laugh out of me, but I really liked Nelson almost saying shit. I remember when I was like 10-year-old Dando watching this, I thought that was really funny. But now it's just like, oh, okay. It's not really anything. <laughs> <laughs> I like that sort of... Nelson was a bit of a dork in this episode. I mean, you know, doing his old little brown jug thing at the very start and then catching a That's beating right, yeah. from his friends. So Duncan wins, and then Homer blows the jockeys away with his horn. Yeah, I just love that. Then we get the um the montage. Did you at least like the montage, even though you didn't like the song choice? <laughs> I feel bad because I mean I, I I don't dislike going the distance. I mean it just felt like it felt a bit obvious. But then okay, but yeah, I mean it was a bit like you know the Captain Marvel movie where she beats up uh, all her enemies to the tune of Just a Girl. Or, mm. It's like. Could you have chosen something a little less, you know, on the nose? But uh, look, no, I, I, did, I didn't dislike the montage. No, I don't dislike the song. So Homer's very happy that he's uh, he's got more trophies than Gretzky and the Pope combined. And this is where he gets invited. This is where he's invited to the, the jockey's room. And it's actually the land of jockeys. Now, as stupid and ridiculous as this is, obviously it's a take on Wizard of Oz, the munchkins and whatnot. I did enjoy the song. This is where we our paths diverge a little, Dan, because I've <laughs> I've written down here and I quote weak ass musical number. Oh really? Okay. I I <laughs> I loved. I really enjoyed. What if I refuse to lose? We'll eat your brains. My horse must lose. <laughs> I really enjoyed the end. <laughs> I know it felt like um, yeah, you've done this kind of thing before. I mean, as far like it's it's no. Uh, I hate every. A by C from chimpanzee to chimpanzee, or whatever. I mean, I prefer that. But eh. that 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 is an absolute belter. That it, like that, that how that that was never turned into an actual musical. I'll never know. Give it time. 
when the pandemic's <laughs> over and we can all go to the theatre again, I get the feeling that, uh, yeah, Stop the Planet of the Apes, I want to get off, will actually be a real thing. <laughs> we just need to stop for one second and just appreciate how great Phil Hartman is in that moment. Oh, God, yeah. Like, that is the best Simpsons song, I reckon, of the series' entirety. It is just so great. I just Every time that song, that, that little play gets brought up, I just have to acknowledge how great it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Always, always give a moment's respect to Phil Hartman. That guy's a legend. Yes, 100%. Uh, Homer's obviously been told that his horse must lose, so he tells Bart, you've got to lose, but Bart turns him around. Homer decides, you know, I'll deal with those murderous trolls. <laughs> the jockeys, during the race... They try to beat up Duncan, but Duncan fights back. And, you know, the, this is where the, the commentator gets scared. It's a terrifying planet of the horses. He runs away. And Duncan wins. It's, it's, it's a pretty weak ending, I mean, in that regard where, you know, it's, and it's a, it's a, it just seemed very obvious. Like, you know, the jockeys are attacking Duncan. Duncan fights back. Duncan wins. And then they try to attack Homer. And, like, it, 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 they just throw the jockeys into a garbage bag. I was yeah. like, eh. It was very weak. But like I said, it, I, I still got moments throughout that made me laugh. Hey! We'll give you gold! Now that you're a champion, you have your pick of the fillies. <laughs> yeah, she's the best. Ooh, can you imagine? Her face on her body. President Clinton? Yeah, hi. I'm here to see Lisa Simpson. <gasps> you read my letter? Much of it, yeah. And those glow sticks were wrong. Very wrong. So I've personally overturned the results of that band contest. Congratulations. <gasps> thank you, Mr. President. No, thank you, Lisa, for teaching kids everywhere a valuable lesson. If things don't go your way, just keep complaining until your dreams come true. That's a pretty lousy lesson. Hey, I'm a pretty lousy president. I think like the last two minutes of this episode really, really, really brings it down. I think that's why a lot of people, I mean, the, the story's ridiculous in the last act, but I think a lot of people, they remember it so much because the last two minutes is just so silly. True. They, they're left yeah. with a bad taste in their mouth. They sort of think, well, that was just terrible. But I don't think the entire episode is as bad as what the last two minutes are. No, if you end badly, people tend to remember the ending. But all in all... I think we differ a little bit on this. I mean, I really enjoyed it, had its moments, you not so much, but I think we can both agree it at least had its funny moments. It did indeed. And, you know, if you go all the way through the credits, you get to the Gracie, and uh, it is not, as Comic Book Guy says, over that uh, shh, uh, worst episode ever. It is not the worst episode ever, Comic Book Guy. You're, not, you're incorrect in that regard. Does he actually say that in the Gracie, does he? On the Gracie, yeah. Oh, I need to start watching through. I always just push stop. But I feel like it's your thing. I like to be surprised if there is one. <laughs> it's my thing. Yes. <laughs> Don't muscle in on my greasy territory. What do we learn, Palmer? What'd you learn from the episode, Mr. Davis? Uh, always play the hits. <laughs> yeah, that, that is definitely true. <laughs> that, that, that's, and, and, and just the best part of the hit. Pretty much. Yeah, that's my takeaway from this, uh, from this episode. <laughs> never, never the new album, always play the hits. <laughs> I remember... We- we went to, um, uh, what's it called? Day on the Green, which is for international oh, listeners. Yeah. It's just like a, a mini fest, music festival or whatnot. Various artists. They have it in near Geelong here. And they had Daryl Braithwaite as one of the opening acts. Ooh. And it was just these, this drunk guy would have been, I don't know, 50 towards maybe 60, just yells out, 
play horses. <laughs> like, as soon as he walked out on stage and started talking, I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, God, this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I learned that um, a trip to the glue factory sounds a lot more fun than I realised, and I really think Geelong needs to get on board and, and, and create one. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, well, there's a whole lot of talk about, you know, how's Geelong going to bounce back, you know, now that all the manufacturing is going and, you know, mm-hmm. post-COVID-19. It's like, establish a glue. 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 <laughs> glue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, you know, and then then you've got, you know, come to Geelong. We guarantee they want to stick around. So, <laughs> this thing's writing itself. That is a billboard in the making. <laughs> <laughs> Geelong, stick around. Anyway. <laughs> It's the Patreon mailbag time. Mailbag time. Alrighty. So, uh, what do we got here? Let's flick through. Jonathan Rossi, what has he got to say? What is the most petty grievance that you've had or still have from elementary, primary school? And how far did you go attempting to get satisfaction? I may have mentioned this on the show before. Mm-hmm. There was a time, and I would have been in maybe grade four, grade three, when there was a creative writing um, competition at my primary school. Yeah. Every kid could enter. You had to write a short story. And I remember that I wrote this story and I, I got down to the final three. And then they um, they read, we all got to read out our stories. And this girl who was in grade six read out her story. And I was standing there listening and I'm going, wait a minute, I've heard this story before. And basically, previ- the previous Halloween, it was towards the end of the year, the previous Halloween, my parents had given me this like, jar of goodies kind of thing that had like you know a sticky hand and little a fake spider and shit like that but it had a little booklet and it had this story in it and she was reading this story word for word oh and and i try to tell the teacher i'm like her story is copied she's copied it from a book and because she was like the golden child oh they were not having it not having it at all and I took, I went home that, that day and I got the book and I took it to school the next day and I gave it to the principal and I said, see, this is the story she copied. And she goes, okay, leave it with me, Brendan, I'll sort it out. I went back after school to get my book and she had lost it. Oh. So, this it, chick, this can, not this... going to name names, Kate, won the <laughs> fucking, con- won the competition and got to keep the competition. It was sabotage. I proved she was wrong, gave my book to the principal and by the end of the day, the book was gone and she didn't know where it was anymore and she couldn't do anything about it. I miss, oh. I'm sorry, Brendan. I remember, I remember her saying, oh, sorry, but I'm ne- I didn't even get a chance to read it. I've put it down somewhere. I can't find it. I'm like, ah, how convenient. This conspiracy <laughs> goes all the way to the top. <laughs> so that, that, that's one thing I've never let go. What about you? I don't really have that many. I do recall... You telling that story did remind me of something, though. I mean, this is not really, really primary school. This is more high school. Um... But I think at the end of the year, we'd sort of put out a magazine that had, um, you know, not a, not like a yearbook or something like that. It was just a collection of um, oh, bits of writing and photographs. And, you know, you know this is the year that was. So, yeah, a yearbook. Yeah. Actually, yeah, what am I thinking? Just um, <laughs> but I think the year I, that was. Yeah, that wasn't a yearbook. <laughs> it was a yearbook. <laughs> but I don't think we called it a yearbook. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway. I, I think we called, it, we called it a flotsam or something at our school, I think. Oh, it was okay. weird. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I'd written some some poem, and you know, it was typical teenage tortured nonsense, you know. Uh, but I was actually pretty proud of it. I was like, eh, "There's some good imagery here. Not bad. Pat, pat yourself on the back, guy." 
and it didn't get a run, but uh, this poem by this other girl did, and I was like, this is, I mean, you didn't have like fridge magnets with little sort of inspirational sayings on them at this stage, but I get the feeling that this was kind of like that. It was sort of like her her poem was like taken out of a, a, a like a a greeting card that you give to someone whose parents have just died or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm sure those cards exist. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just remember thinking, wait a minute, you're not running my, you know, wholly original, you know, stunningly rendered piece of art. But you're running this claptrap? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I hope you, I hope you use that word as well in disgust. I did, I did. Such claptrap. I can't believe I actually used the word claptrap just then. I don't know why that came out. Uh, <laughs> it's a good term. Do the air horn. <laughs> Distract the audience with the air horn. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, so um, I guess that's one petty grievance that clearly I'm still carrying to this day, although I've done a really good job of repressing it way down. That's going to that's gonna be, by the way, your thing. Whenever you feel like you're talking yourself into a hole, just do the air horn and it'll make everything better. <laughs> when the story's going nowhere, air horn it out. <laughs> um, Andrew Parker says, what animal would you most like to see in a race? Ooh. What about a, a, a sloth? Ooh. But like sloths, energetic sloths with their arms just flailing. <laughs> what, like a... Say you inject a little um, adrenaline into it or something, and it got all fired up. <laughs> I tell you, I, like, like when Homer accidentally shoots the, the the sloth with the tranquilizer and it just does a little does a little mating dance. <laughs> I'll tell you an animal that I wouldn't mind, or a race that I wouldn't mind seeing: piglets. I think a piglet race would be charming. It'd be adorable. It would be. Let's focus on the good things and think about a bunch of tiny pigs. You know. All behind little gates. The gates open up and they're off. And <laughs> it would be so cute. <laughs> you know, they're all making little snorting noises and their little tails are, you know, their little legs are running. Oh. When little pigs, when piglets run really fast, they look adorable. They do indeed. So imagine like six or seven of them in a race. <laughs> what would make them race though? What would have, what would you have to put at the end? Just some sort of trough, I guess. Or you'd have like a um, a butcher behind them with a meat cleaver. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Let's move on. DL Gorman. Final question. What's he got? Um, have you ever had a victory stolen from you thanks to cheap underhanded tactics? Well, that's kind of similar to the first one, isn't it? A little um, bit, yeah. She stole the story. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I can't recall having uh, I I can't recall snatching uh, defeat from the jaws of victory at any stage. My whole life has just been one big win. A final question here. All right, I found one. Katie Ree says, "Did anyone else call horses geegees when they were younger, or was it just me?" She still does to this day. Well, not quite, but I'll, I'll but I'll tell you a little something. Uh, okay, <laughs> because my uh, my dad was you know big into horses. He liked. Uh, he he was a SP bookie. He liked horse racing. He you know bet on the nags of it, and so he liked his horses. And I rem- something I remember he um I remember he he asked me this joke more or he told me this riddle more than once. It was like uh you know what do you call a hungry horse uh or 
you know, what are four letters for a hungry horse? And I'm like, mm, no, I don't know. And he would say MTGG, as in empty GG. Mm. And, ah. and I'm like, yeah, that only works if I actually know that you call horses GGs. Yeah, I, I did, I've, I've never, I've never. So I said Gigi before. I've never heard of a horse called Gigi before. Yeah, what, look, what I'm sure there's from? a reason why they are called that. And look, we do have Google in front of us, and we could find out. But yeah, but I do remember my dad thinking that was like, I'll get it with this one. It's the best joke, and I'm like, <laughs> this joke only works if you explain it to me. <laughs> here we go. Here, many small children noticed that a lot of grown-ups were shouting G or G at horses, and decided that G was another name for horse. But according to Wikipedia, the term GG is actually taken from horse racing, where a GG is the first horse out of the starting gate. Oh, there you go. So it does. That's where I guess it's. You said GG, right? Not GG. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's that's the way I remember it. So uh, yeah, yeah, GGs. It wouldn't really make sense if you said MT GG. <laughs> it would not make sense, and the joke would even fall even <laughs> even flatter than it did. <laughs> um, I just imagine you just going. Dad, I, I don't get it. It's not funny. Yes. You're not funny. Stop trying to be funny. <laughs> and I think I was probably only about like seven or eight at this stage. So I'm like, probably like some real little wise guy going. Eh, I, little, little, uh, little pretentious guy from that photo. <laughs> yeah. That joke's not funny, father. <laughs> Worst joke ever. All righty. Well, next week we are going to be reviewing. An ep- okay. So this episode, Alone Again, Natural Diddly, I actually recorded as a bonus podcast with Mitch Ooh. about a year and a half ago. But what we're going to do is I'm going to re-review it with you. Would that be all right with you? Yeah, why don't you just plead a Mitch one? No, no, no I'm, I'm happy to do it. More than happy to do it. So, yes. I'll be interested to hear your take on it because I remember at the time when we reviewed it, I really, really, really didn't like it. And I thought maybe that was because we were reviewing the classics at the time. So, jumping ahead to season 11 was such a big stretch that it made the episode really stand out as shit. But I'm thinking maybe if I go back and rewatch it now after having watched various season 11 episodes, maybe I won't dislike it as much. So I'm just I'm interested to go back and rewatch it. So if you don't mind, I'd like to re-review it with yourself, Mr. Davis. Is that this okay? Is, this is going to be a fascinating experiment and I'm pleased to be part of it. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. All righty. Well, so as we said, next week, Alone Again, Natural Diddly once again. Thank you so much for listening to our review of Saddlesaw Galactica. Don't forget to send in your questions to mailbag at fourfingerdiscount.com.au. If you've never written in, we'd love to hear from each and every single one of you. Thank you to everyone who has supported the show over the last, you know what, was it three months with the COVID-19 and staying on board with Patreon and just continue to listening. It's been it's been great just continuing you guys having us having you guys on the uh, on the Four Finger Discount bandwagon. Thank you to everybody who has rated and reviewed us in the iTunes store. If you've got a couple of uh, minutes uh, this week, you just jump on the iTunes, give us a review, and if you feel like it, check us five stars as well. Also, don't forget, Talking Seinfeld is available, and next week it is the return of Tales of Futurama, starring the one and only Mitch Grinter. Woo. But for now, I am Dando, you are... I am Guy, and uh, remember, take good care of my business when I'm away every day. Shh. Uh, uh, uh.